Welcome to Level with Emily Reese. This is music by Thomas Parrish for Biped, which is a co-op adventure game where you each control your two legs and it gets all crazy and fun and adorable and chaotic and great. Uh, He got some fantastic players to play on this soundtrack. And he also did some really cool production stuff uh, with synths. He'll explain in much greater detail, of course. It was just an all-around pleasure to speak with him. Thomas starts off by describing the game. Biped is a co-op action-adventure game. Um, pretty much it's two little robots, two cute little robots, Sila and, and Aku, who um, got stranded on Earth, so to speak, <laughs> and have to navigate different environments to activate beacons. And those beacons are used to then um, for the robots to leave and to continue their space travel. So talk to me then about uh, the style of music. So it's a mix of three elements, really. It's world music, it's electronica, and it's jazz, fusion jazz. I love that mix, and it's uh, it's a fun listen. There's such an influence, too, of um, you know older video game music, too. Can you talk about that influence? Well, maybe you're you're hinting at you mean eight eight bit and chip tunes kind of yep. influences. Yeah, you know, I actually didn't necessarily want to make the association strongly in the score. It just happened to to be there because I used kind of like those naive um, synth sounds, if you will, and sure. and those associates quickly with old eight bit stuff. But um, I didn't necessarily want to make that connection. But yeah, uh, I'm I'm not opposed to it. Talk to me about writing the main theme. Is that the first thing you worked on, or did you start elsewhere with the with the process? Yeah, actually, it wasn't the first thing we did. The first thing was more like finding the tone for the game overall, finding the style of music, and sort of the the underlying mood that we would go for. I came on board pretty early on um, when the game wasn't so far progressed yet in development. And we just tried a few things. So it was more like a stylistic consideration rather than saying like, you know, let's go for a theme. And I think it's a smart idea because the theme also needs to live in a certain musical world. And um, setting that up first, getting clarity on that, um, I think is, is good to have priority over writing the actual theme. 
Yeah. So so you uh, tempt in some tracks of different styles to kind of settle on what you wanted then? Is that what you're saying? No, actually, um, I, I wrote different stuff and also stuff that got thrown out eventually. Oh, okay. Yeah, but of it's course. Not like, yeah, it's not like, um, like I wrote a million of things. It was more like um, discussions with the... Um, audio supervisor at the time and actually it, it changed later on um a switch to another audio supervisor but they're all friends so it's it's all good <laughs> there, <laughs> there was no there was no hostile takeover um <laughs> but we tried w- with that um supervisor um discussing the project and considering different approaches and one of them i think something that we always wanted to do and that also is present in the final approach and the final music, I hope, is to have some, something something very playful and have this childlike trial and error attitude in the music. Something little naive about it. So um, at the beginning, we kind of tried to avoid the obvious, I guess, and, and go straight for electronica, because obviously one might right away jump to that conclusion. We have robots, so let's do electronic music, right? Yeah. It's machines. They have to beep and chirp. (laughs) But we tried something more acoustic with kind of like a naive way of playing traditional instruments, sort of like a musique concrète, play an instrument, but not in a traditional way, and make funny little sounds, and then arrange them together um but that was um it was interesting but it didn't have that sort of a light-hearted nature i might say it was a little bit too serious maybe and also we said in the end well we need some more electronic elements so the kind of playful attitude i kind of preserved that with the jazz and that was important for me on in the game it was um, that came from the team and also in discussions with us that we we wanted to kind of give each environment a certain feel and these environments are set on earth so the world music aspect seemed um, something that comes pretty natural um, when think of how can we describe those environments so so that's where that fusion came into being we have the the jazz elements but with electro influence and then we have the world music aspects to describe environments and so we have always a mix of these three elements uh talk to me about some of the uh real instruments that were played the real instruments are pretty much all the flutes first of all and then the bass, the acoustic bass, a little bit of electric bass as well, and uh, some percussion. Actually, a lot of percussion. The flutes definitely, I think, make a huge, huge difference to have them played live. Also, they have sometimes extensive solos, so it's it's just not possible with with uh, MIDI or virtual instruments to convey that. Plus, I had some really fantastic players. Um, and I'm very happy we could do that. 
um, same with bass and um, percussion as well. A lot of ethnic instruments in the percussion, ethnic percussions. Um, a lot of small, actually, percussion I played myself, even more, you know, just sometimes even random objects that when I compose, I, I will just make some rhythm with, I don't know, um, you know, a cup and, and a brush or something, yeah, whatever sure. lays around in the room. Sure. And then we had a real percussion come in to play some udu and dumbbag and, and the more elaborate percussion parts. Yeah. Okay. okay. Cool. Uh, so talk to me then a little bit about uh, some of the flute players that you did have play because it's so, so good. And, uh, you know, some of these extensive solos you're talking about are jazz solos and they're just phenomenal. So uh, l- talk to us a little bit about uh, those people. Yeah, they're, they're really great players. I'm, I'm very glad to have them. So it's two. It's uh, Petro Eustache, who is actually quite a, quite a famous player. He um, played for many years with Yanni. He was the flute player for, for Yanni. And then out of that, I think he, he built a name for himself also in the, in the scoring world. So he's flute player on many um, big movies. He's, you know, plays flutes for Hans Zimmer or The Gladiator and all those movies. So he's quite well known in L.A. And he's a specialist on, eth- on ethnic flutes, especially. Okay. So he, um, he comes with a whole... A rack of hundreds of flutes um, and you know it takes discussions before the recording of course because he just has so many different choices you need to narrow it down you need to narrow down keys and obviously I also I mean I, I'm a wind player myself so I have a little bit of knowledge um, so I know that this part might be like an Indian flute or this part might be um, you know I don't know whatever, an ocarina or a Native American flute. So we're not completely shooting in the dark, but still it's an interesting process working with him because he is very experienced and he has all these choices. Mm. Plus he is from um, Venezuela, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think he's from Venezuela. So he has a, um, he has that Latin soul as well. <laughs> and he's a trained classical flutist, actually. He's a, a brilliant, very well-trained um, classical flutist, uh, a real virtuoso. So he can play the flute very well, but he can also improvise. Wow. So if you bring that together, the world music aspect, his classical training and his Latin um, <laughs> um, passion, you yeah. get quite the mix. Pedro has an extensive solo in Flying Circuits, for example. Um, it's pretty Latin. This is a, a Latin fusion track. also playing uh, Indian flute in the roaming forests with some solos. Uh, another very beautiful, more ethnic color he has there.
So Petra is really a treat to have. Also very lucky to have uh, Zach Zinger, who's another very interesting instrumentalist who actually comes from New York and is a sax player by training. He's a jazz guy, cool. a real jazz guy. <laughs> But he also specializes in ethnic flutes. So he picked oh, wow. up the shakuhachi and um, made it a goal <laughs> to be able to play the shakuhachi in a chromatic way. Um, wow. So um, he's, he's quite an interesting instrumentalist to check out as well. Zach played the, the tin whistle, so the, the Celtic flute yeah. on the album, which also has a, f a few very nice soli. Um, the ocarina, for example. I kind of challenged him. I told him, did you ever play a blues solo on the ocarina? And he was, he was very um, pleased to have that challenge. <laughs> <laughs> so, he, so he went for it. So those are the, the, the flute players, and then I have a, a great um, bass player who is also sort of a multi-instrumentalist, actually a guitar player by training, but he picked up the bass in no time and um, plays amazingly. So you have a few tracks with, with bass solo. I think Scramble Gamble has a, a bass solo in it. Then I have Brian Kilgore, who's also a well-known session player in LA, uh, uh, amazing percussionist who played on many, many movies and has a vast, extensive collection of hand percussion, bigger percussion, all types of percussion, mallets. So he played um, yeah, the Udu and some other ethnic African percussion shakers on the, um, the Kuika. If you, if oh, you know yeah. the instrument, the yeah. Ooh, Brazilian, yeah, exactly. It sounds <laughs> like a yeah, <laughs> baby or something. Yeah, I love the cuica. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that, that was fun. Um, it's a really funny instrument. Yeah, it's, um, takes a little bit of trying because it can just, you know, there's a fine line between just between just being funny and comedic and being musical. So right, sometimes. <laughs> An interesting experience recording all this and a lot of work, but um, I hope it's worth it in the end. I certainly think it added a lot. Tell me how you got connected with the team to to write music for the game. Um, actually, I knew the team already because I had worked on other 
games with them. Actually, not too many games on two with that particular studio. But they're a Chinese studio. Um, they're called Next. They're on one studio under um, Tencent Games. And so I had worked with ten game, Tencent Games before and um, knew some of the people who are now um, working at Next from other game studios. So, they, you know, they're friends and we just, we talk. And, and so they mentioned this project and we talked about it and, and um, I had some ideas. So I got involved rather naturally, I guess, with that project. Yeah, because you've done several games before. Yeah, I mean, um, one early on, which was sort of a collaboration in Resident Evil. And then I did um, a bit of a break on games. I did some television and other stuff for a while, but came back to games and um, have been working on a, uh, yeah, on, on a series of games in the past years, especially for, for Tencent, actually. Uh, so how did you decide that you wanted to write music for games or media in general? Because you've done other other projects. Well, games is just a different genre from scoring to picture, as, as I have done before. And I quite like um, the interactiveness of it and the different creative challenges it comes with. And I find that actually my interest in music and the way I approach music is sometimes more suited for games. Because games, I, I'm not sometimes such a big fan of really scoring to picture very closely. Because mm -hmm. it, can, it can break the musical integrity of a piece. Whereas what I find more important is really the underlying emotion, which is not so much decided by um, how closely you are following, let's say, a picture or a cut. And games, um, since it is interactive and gameplay is uh, undecided, it gives a bit more freedom on form often. So I can focus more uh, on the form, on the structure of the music. So, so I can really try to, how do I express this, this emotion or this... Um, this mood that I want to convey and um, my, the structure of my music is not uh, there's no imposition by a picture or by a certain timeline so I um, can express that more purely in a way have learned from looking into you that you play oboe. So talk to me about being an oboe player, if you would, Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's a history of, of suffering. What can I tell you? <laughs> Playing the oboe is um, a curse sometimes. Yes. But um, it's just a hard instrument to maintain also, especially now that I'm, I mean, not only now for recent decades, I might almost say, I'm focusing on composing. So maintaining the oboe is, is difficult because it's a very finicky instrument with the armature, with the reeds. But um, I just fell in love with the oboe when I was younger because I love the sound. Yeah. And you don't think about what it would take to play it, of course, when 
you just want to go for it. And I think actually this is the right approach. One shouldn't influence his, one shouldn't be influenced in what goals one picks by how difficult it might be to achieve them. Right. Right. So I just liked that sound and I wanted to create it. So that's how I ended up playing the oboe. And I do love the instrument. I mean, I, you know, it's it's a love-hatred relationship, I guess, a bit, but I, I love it. So tell me about some of your favorite oboe music. <laughs> some of my favorite oboe music. Okay, so the gateway track for, for listening to oboe might be the Schumann Romances. Poulenc Sonata, Francis Poulenc. Mm -hmm. It's a fantastic, fantastic piece. Then I love Silvestrini Etudes. The mm -hmm. Strauss Oboe Concerto, the, the Mozart Oboe Concerto. I mean, so those are the most important pieces. But, I mean, oboe, English horn, um, everybody might know the famous English horn solo from the New World Symphony, second movement. This is some of the most beautiful music written for the English horn. Yes. And the most joyful thing to play, actually, if, if, you, if you're an oboe player or an English horn player and you get a chance to play that with orchestra, that's just a treat, sitting in that, in that string bed and playing a beautiful melody that sits well on the instrument. noticed that you studied jazz and I'm so curious how that happens for an oboist but <laughs> tell me more about uh, your love and uh, affiliation and study of, of jazz well it's just part of my very crooked way that led me where I am now <laughs> but uh, so I just you know I, I, I always knew I wanted to do something with music because I love music but my interest in music where exactly I would end up wasn't quite sure so I tried different things but my background is classical, so I studied the oboe and I actually studied music theory because I, um, once I started also to play the piano, I got interested in composition and harmony and everything. But first in Germany growing up there, um, it was pretty obvious that I would study classical music, so that's what I did. I studied the oboe and I studied music theory at a conservatory in a in a very rather traditional um, way. But um, while I was studying and listening, my interest went away from classical music also into other areas like jazz. So I was pretty much uh, in love with jazz since my early 20s, I would say. 
before that, uh, that was not really on my radar, I guess, mm-hmm. because of the culture here or how I grew up. Mm-hmm. But then, um, yeah, I wanted to study that more, but I was already totally in this classical trajectory. And then I made a made a decision that I would not go into the orchestra, which was kind of what I had planned up to that point, and I would take composition serious, and I would think about scoring. That's when I first thought about movies and games and all that, because it would allow me to combine classical music and jazz, for example, or pop or electronic or whatever I wanted. Yeah, that's really what what intrigued me: the storytelling. And the the eclecticism, and the non-judgmentalness. The way that's I mean, I'm speaking idealistically, but <laughs> I think in a certain way, it's it's much less judgmental than if you, especially in Europe, write, let's say, uh, concert music. It's uh, it can be pretty judgmental stylistically. If you choose a certain style, you might not uh, be perceived very well with yeah. certain critics. But in film and in scoring and in games, I just saw. Um, you know, where you have a project and then you decide on style and um, palette and instruments and what have you. It's not about, it, it has to serve the project mm-hmm. and the underlying emotion that you try to convey and the means shouldn't matter. You decide them whatever is appropriate. So I like that attitude. I like the openness of being able to combine. So the first thing I did after um, coming back to <laughs> um, my studies, the first thing I did once I decided not to go to the orchestra was that I wanted to explore contemporary music and jazz in particular. So that's when I went on a short stay to Berklee College of Music in Boston. Also, I wanted to leave Germany and Europe. Mm. That's also a big part of it. And I said, I'm going to do all this, what I couldn't do so far. I'm going to explore jazz and explore uh, film music and contemporary ways of writing and producing. Uh, so that that's how I ended up there Yeah, for a little while and studied jazz. I, I didn't really extensively study jazz. I mean, I, you know, I spent a couple semesters at Berkeley, but um, I took some very good classes. And I'm also, for the most part, an autodidact on many things. So when it comes to jazz, I just also just read books or, you know, or let's just listen. I mean, jazz is not much about books. It's actually about listening. That's something took a while to understand. I mean, I was also very just book smart when I was in Germany, but not very, I wasn't um, playing enough, you know. It's also what I, something I did in, in, um, in L.A. more. And that helped me actually with BiPad because... A lot of, we can talk about that in more detail, but pretty much um, just being able to just play and not preconceive and premeditate every little decision was crucial to the score because it should be spontaneous. So, yeah, I mean, it's just like the parts that, you know, Pedro or Zach improvised. Also, a lot of the the synth parts that I played, that Mm -hmm. I underscored, that I actually played them in rather than programmed them. Oh, wow. It's still meaty, of course. Yeah. Um, that I can fix later on, but I didn't um, quantize everything hard. I tried to perform parts, really, like as if I were recording them to, to kind of, and I also try to keep everything a little bit imperfect. I mean, there's sometimes not everything is quite 100% together. I could have made everything much more on the grid and square if I had wanted to, but I wanted to keep it a little bit more alive, human, breathing, even though it's synth. 
iPad is pretty much that. It's a trial and error. Mm-hmm. You go into an environment, try something, and then you figure it out, and you try it again, and you do it better, and then you master the skill. I mean, you, you, you learn how to navigate an environment, and improvisation is a little bit like that, or if you play a tune, you kind of learn to tune it, and you have a rough landscape that you can now navigate, and you can um, improvise over it, which means you know the terrain. Yeah. You know where you're going, harmonically or in, um, rhythmically, but you have a certain freedom over it. If it was another style of music, I might have just cut them out or, you know, make everything a bit more square or um, regular, if you will. And it would have been easier um, than sitting there and thinking, is this too out or is it out just enough? You know what I mean? Is it too far off the grid, this note, or should it be on? Sometimes I wonder myself, is this too spontaneous and too, too free or should it or is it still okay? Mm-hmm. Because it's hard to to make the decision when you're listening to a piece of music or you just performed something and you wonder, should I make it a bit cleaner or should I leave it like that? And that actually, I spent so much time with that. Did you? <laughs> yeah, because I thought it will be easy. You just play something in and you just leave it like that. But actually, I still go back, of course, listen to it again and think about, nah, maybe I should do it again or maybe... Maybe it should be a bit more on the grid. It should be a bit cleaner. Or maybe it's okay. You know, so actually that that whole spontaneity um, wasn't quite that time efficient as I had thought in the beginning. Talk to me about some of the, you know, world music aspects that you brought in. I mean, we talked about percussion and flutes and things like that. Yeah, so there's no strict rule on that. Yeah. Um, Some of it is kind of a mix, but some of it is a bit more in one pocket or from one area. So, for example, there's like all these desert um, levels, the kind of the canyons. Mm -hmm. Um, So this is pretty consistently in sort of a Western type. So there's a banjo, there's a melodica slash harmonica and um, acoustic bass and, and this kind of, it has this Western feel to it. Then there's other areas where that's more of a fusion style, I guess. So if, if you think of the um, the track roaming in the forest, which is all the, the forest levels, which has this Indian feel. It has an Indian feel, but there's also Udu drum in it. 
uh, it's it's not clean. It's not like oh, it has to be Indian. So I really want it to be Indian. Let's do everything Indian. Let's have a tabla and have a, a sitar and blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. And I'm not like that. It, it still needed to just feel right, also um, and organic to the game. I'm not a very strict world musician, anyways, because I think it's silly to um, try to be authentic when I'm a European in LA yeah. scoring a Chinese video game. <laughs> 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 I mean, I wouldn't dare to to um, pretend that I know what authentic Indian music is. Yeah. So it is my take on Indian music and it's my take of thinking that this influence is right for this woodsy feeling in the forest. Sure, sure. I'm just drawing from that inspiration, from that um, uh, specific style in in, in ways that I see fit. So I'm not under the illusion or not trying to do anything super authentic. So that's also why everything is a bit eclectic. And anyways, there's also the synth elements always in Biped. That's what everything keeps it together. Even though it's Indian a little bit, there's always still an arpeggiator chirping in the back and there's some synth pads. So it has to still all come together. those river levels that's kind of um, celtic music mm-hmm. so you have the, the tin whistle and and the the, the bodron drum that's also sort of consistent but again it's it's celtic and also celtic slash jazz yeah and also of course there's always a synth somewhere mixed in it's never just celtic music was a very welcome a very welcome um, change of pace I might say because I had worked on a lot of very serious projects mm. dramatic epic stuff larger than life orchestras and this was just something I had always wanted to do more of um, I always enjoyed to do comedy as well and to do these little things and also to do things that are jazzy because jazz is really a style that has not much application anymore in modern scoring I might say it's kind of been sidelined a bit and it's very it's usually very typecast if you have jazz it's use it's usually a period piece but um yeah, there's not much opportunity, but it still lives in animation, I might say, to a certain degree, mm-hmm. and in, in comedy also. And since I'm a lover of jazz, this was a great project for me. Cool. It could give me something lighthearted, something playful, something where I could use a bit different harmony, do some improvisation, work with great musicians. So it was a fun project for me. I really enjoyed it. Well, thank you so much for talking with me today. It was awesome to get to know you and hear your music. Thanks. Thank you so much for having me.
Thanks for listening to Level with Emily. You can learn more about Thomas Parrish and see a playlist at patreon.com slash level. I'm Emily Reese. Sam Keenan is our producer. Say hi, Sam. Mm. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Level with Emily, and you can learn more about us at levelwithemily.com, made possible by Adam Selvage at Tiki Web Services and composer Brad Gentle. Level with Emily is a production of June Media, Inc.